exercise together, so if you're up to that today, I'm going to say three words. And as I say these three words, I want you to capture your first thought upon hearing these three words. I don't want you to say what it is, I just want you to capture it in your own mind. Everybody follow me? I'm going to give you three words, and when you hear these three words, I want you to capture the very first thought that you have. Are you ready? Sure. Thank you. She's ready. Y'all ready? Are you ready is not the three words. Here we go. That's not the three words either. The Ten Commandments. Did you capture a thought in your own mind? Now, I'm sure in a congregation like ours, there's a wide variety, a wide array of thoughts that came to mind. Some, maybe your very first thought was God. Others may have thought about the law. Here's some other possibilities. Rules. Old. Stone tablets. Mount Sinai. Breaking them. Maybe you thought about some of the individual commandments. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not commit adultery or some of the others. Whatever came to your mind this morning, I wonder, and don't answer out loud, how long has it been since you have given any serious thought to the Ten Commandments? You know, we often see these from time to time and we maybe glance at them and maybe think of them a little bit. But how long has it been since you've given any serious thought to the Ten Commandments? Adrian Rogers Writing back in 1996 said, I'm afraid 
that our generation has thought about the Ten Commandments are more or less like cornflakes. They're familiar, they're old and not very exciting. But writing back then, he said, I want to encourage you to taste them again for the first time. And if that were true back in 1996, I wonder what our generation thinks about the Ten Commandments. In all honesty, I don't think this generation even knows what cornflakes are, maybe. But even worse than that, they don't really know, sad to say, many of them, what the Ten Commandments are either. You know, rightly so, as believers, we get all worked up and upset when they remove the Ten Commandments from our government and our public life. But you know what? We should be even more upset about the fact that Ten Commandments are being removed from the church and our private lives. The average Christian, if you were to ask them if they believe the Ten Commandments, the average Christian, I hope, would say, oh, yes, I believe the Ten Commandments. But then if you ask them to name five of the Ten Commandments or you ask them where in the Bible could you find the Ten Commandments, sad to say, I'm afraid the average Christian would be hard pressed to help you in that regard. Perhaps that's you today. If it is, I don't want to make you feel bad, but I I hope that after this series of messages that we're calling a fresh look at the Ten Commandments, that you'll not only know them, but you'll know what they mean and you'll know what they mean to you as a Christian living today. So let's just jump right in our series today. And we're going to begin in Exodus chapter 20, where you'll find the Ten Commandments. And we're going to be reading there verses one through 17. And what I want to do this morning is simply lay some groundwork, uh, some preparatory remarks to begin this series together. And in the coming weeks, we're going to be looking at the Ten Commandments, a fresh look at the Ten Commandments. So let's just read them today and then lay some groundwork upon which we'll build in the days to come. Exodus chapter 20, and we'll begin reading at verse number one. Exodus 20, verse number one. And I want to encourage you to find that and find your spot and follow along as we read God's word together. Exodus chapter 20, and I'll begin reading at verse number one. The Bible says there, and God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image. Any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. But showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord, your God, in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You nor your son nor your daughter nor your male servant nor your female servant nor your cattle nor your stranger who is with you uh, within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which your Lord, your God, is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. 
You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for your word. Thank you for this moment. I pray that you would speak through me, help me, use me, work in the hearts and lives of each one, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you notice as you read through, the Ten Commandments divide nicely into two groups. The first group contains the commands one through four. And they deal with our relationship to God, or Godward, if you will, or as some classify them, our vertical relationship. So commands one through four deal with our relationship with God. You shall have no other gods before me. You will not make yourself a carved image. You should not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. That's group number one. Group number two contains commands five through ten. And they deal with our relationships manward. Our relationship one with another. The relationships that we enjoy. Or our horizontal relationships. How we relate to one another. And you find them there where it talks about honoring your father and your mother. You shall not murder, commit adultery, steal, bear false witness, or covet. So we've got two groups, basically. Those that are vertical, those that are Godward, our relationship with God, and those that are horizontal, those that are manward, those that deal with our relationships with one another. Now, it's interesting to see how the Lord talked about this. Put in your margin there if you want, if you like to write in your Bible, write this reference. Matthew twenty-two, thirty-five through 40. Matthew twenty-two, thirty-five through 40. Let me read it for you. Matthew twenty-two, thirty-five through 40. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Now listen to what Jesus says. Verse 37, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Do you see how it plays out? The first group, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. The second group, love your neighbor as yourself. We might summarize it this way. Love God, love others. Love God, love others. And that's exactly what the Ten Commandments teach us. Now, before we go any further, I want to challenge you in this series of messages to be an active participant. Let me say that again. To be an active participant. I don't want you to just come in here and sit soaking sour as I preach through these messages. I want you to actively and truly grow. We're going to go through these commands one by one. So, you know, next week, God willing, when we gather together, we're going to be looking at the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. And I want to give you two great challenges as we study through them. Number one, I want to challenge you to learn the Ten Commandments. To learn the Ten Commandments. Now, what I mean by that, I want to challenge you to memorize them. I don't mean all of the commands as far as verses 1 through 17. I mean, I want to encourage you to memorize the summary statements, the summary sentences as they are here. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. 
Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor thy father and thy mother. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear with false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet. I mean the summary sentences to memorize them. And we can do it week by week and point by point and command by command. And you need to focus on that one. And then I want to challenge you not only to memorize them, I want to challenge you to meditate on them. In other words, when you're learning, you shall have no other gods before me. I want you to think about that and turn that over in your mind and to ponder that and fill your mind and heart with that and go over that as God teaches you. And then I want to give you a third challenge under this, and that is this. Make sure your children learn them. That is help your children learn them. Now, depending on their age, that may look differently to different ones here today. Your teenager should learn just as you're learning, but your four year old, you're going to have to clarify and simplify and help them to say no other gods. Right. Make it simple. Make us understand it. So I want to encourage you to learn the Ten Commandments, memorize them, meditate on them, make sure your children know them and know what they are and help them depending on their age and their stage. But I want to challenge you, secondly, this morning to live out the Ten Commandments, to live out the Ten Commandments. Now, as Christians, we're under grace, not the law. Praise God. As believers, we're not under the law, we're under grace. And I'm so thankful for that. But Wiersbe helps us here. He says, being free from the law does not mean being free to sin. Liberty is not license. And so we seek to live out the Ten Commandments. We don't do that in our own strength, in our own energy. We do it in the power of the indwelling Spirit of God. He says this. He says, we do not try to obey God in the energy of the flesh because this is impossible. Romans seven fourteen. the flesh is sinful and weak and cannot submit to the law. But we reckon ourselves dead to sin. Romans six. We yield to the Holy Spirit. Romans eight. And the spirit fulfills the law in us and through us. Romans eight, one through four. And so as we seek to live them out, we don't say, OK, I'm going to do good. No, we yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit and allow him to work in our lives and do it in his power and his enablement. So two challenges. Will you take them? Number one, learn the Ten Commandments if you haven't already. Number two, live out the Ten Commandments, not in your energy, but in the power of the Spirit. OK, let's jump in the series as a whole and look at these things and lay some groundwork today. Are you ready? All right. The Ten Commandments, two great truths I'm going to press upon your hearts today. The Ten Commandments, number one, are a reflection of God's character. The Ten Commandments are a reflection of God's character. Now, when you come to the Ten Commandments and you look at them, you're confronted with the absolute holiness, perfection and glory of almighty God. Now, people like to measure themselves against other people. Christians do that as well, you know, and we can look at other people and we come out all right. We, we can always find someone who's meaner. Someone who's more selfish. Someone who loses their temper more, someone who does this and that. And we say, hey, I'm not as bad as sister so and so. I'm not as bad as brother so and so. I'm not as bad as they are. But listen, when you come before the perfect standard of God and you see his ultimate perfection, when you see his character of who he is, it shows us for who we are. We are sinful. 
We've fallen short of the glory of God. We're undone. We're wicked. We are not holy. We are not right. We are not good. We fail miserably when you look at God and His ultimate perfection. We're like Isaiah 6 who sees the Lord high and lifted up and His train filled the temple and the seraphim cry, Holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty. And Isaiah says, Woe is me, for I am undone. From a man of unclean lips to dwell amongst a man of unclean lips. And he sees the ultimate perfection and holiness of God. And he cries out, woe is me. I was reading last night as the Lord is there and he tells Peter to go out fishing. And, and Peter, and they've been fishing all night. And, and uh, he says, well, Lord, I'll go out because you said go out. We haven't caught anything. And he goes out and he catches this great haul of fish. And he says, Lord, depart from me. For I'm a wicked man. I am sinful. You see, the Ten Commandments, they're a reflection of God's character. Ultimate perfection. Ultimate glory. Holiness. Perfection. The ultimate standard. Not measuring ourselves against one another, but seeing ourselves against God. Reflection of His character. But I want you to notice, secondly, and catch this, beloved, the reminder of God's love. They're a reminder of God's love. We often look upon the Ten Commandments, if we're honest, as being very negative. Thou shalt not do this. Thou shalt not do that. We maybe, if we're honest, say, well, there are a bunch of rules that we have to keep. And this is something we want to avoid. And we don't want all that. But listen, these commands are not that at all. These commands are given out of a heart of love for our gracious, wonderful, heavenly Father. I think you'll see this as we begin to explore this as the reminder of God's love. Notice, first of all, the commandments show us our need of Christ. They show us our need of Christ. The law shows that God is holy and we are sinful. And because of our sin, our sin separates us from a holy, righteous God. The law is a mirror and we look at ourselves and we see how undone we are. And the Bible says it's a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Galatians 3.24 says it this way. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ. We might be justified by faith. You see, the law cannot save. The law will not save. And by the way, the law was not given to save. One author said it this way. The law can only reveal sin. But it's powerless to save from sin. It can show us our weakness, but it cannot provide strength. It can only condemn. It cannot justify. The law commands, but cannot enable. The law slaves, but grace alone can make alive. You see, the law cannot save. Nobody's saved by keeping the law. It does not save. Jot down this reference, Acts 13, 38 to 39. Acts 13, 38 to 39. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. And by him, everyone who believes is justified from all things for which, listen, you could not be justified by the law of Moses. It's unable to save. It condemns, but it cannot save. The law shows us our need, but it cannot meet our need. It shows us our sin, but it leaves us in our sin. We need a perfect law keeper. We need the Lord Jesus Christ to save us from our sin. Now, it was interesting as I was studying for this message. 
Ernest Reisinger in his book talked about the fact that in days gone by, they taught children the Ten Commandments before they taught them John 3.16. Now think about that for a moment. We do the opposite, don't we? We say, well, you learned John 3, and John 3.16, praise God for it. But back then they taught them the Ten Commandments before they taught them John 3.16. Why? Because they had to understand their great need of a Savior. They had to understand that they were sinners and they needed a Savior. John Eliot's first translation work among the Indians was not John 3.16. You know what it was? Want to guess? The Ten Commandments. And he preached his first sermon on, you want to guess? The Ten Commandments. Now, did John Eliot think that they would be saved by the Ten Commandments? No. He used the commandments to show them that they needed to be saved. He showed them that they were lawbreakers who needed to trust a perfect law keeper as their substitute. Listen, if somebody's going to be saved by the Lord Jesus Christ, they must first of all know that they are lost. They have to understand that they're a sinner. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so these TV preachers, if we can call them that, who say, well, I don't talk about sin. I don't preach about sin. And I avoid sin. Listen, they're not preaching the word of God. Because the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the law tells us, listen, you are a sinner. God is perfect. God is holy. This is the standard. You fall short. The law doesn't save us. The law says, listen, it's a schoolmaster says here, you need Jesus Christ. A loving God gave these commandments not out of hatred, not out of strife. He gave them out of love. He wanted us to understand that we needed the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I wonder today, friend, as you're here, do you realize that you're a sinner? Do you realize that you've fallen short of God's glory? The law condemns you. The law shows you for who you are and the law leaves you there. But the Lord Jesus Christ, the perfect law keeper, died in your place. The perfect law keeper shed his own blood, voluntarily died on the cross, took your sin upon him, went to the grave, arose again victorious. And if you'll trust him, you'll cry out to him today. He will save you. The law condemns and it cannot save but it's a schoolmaster to say, hey, you need the perfect law keeper. You need the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to invite you today, if you've never received Christ in this service, this hour, would you turn from your sin to Christ and receive him as your own Lord and Savior? You see, it's a reminder of God's love because it shows us our need of Christ. But secondly, it's a reminder of God's love because it shows us how to live. It shows us how to live. Now, listen. We don't get saved by grace and then live the Christian life by keeping the law. Let me say that again. We don't get saved by grace and then live the Christian life by keeping the law. We're not under the law. We're under grace. So here's the question. What part do the Ten Commandments play in the life of a believer living in 2011? What do they mean to us today? Well, I think J. Vernon McGee puts it in a way, as he often did, in a way we can get a hold of it. Would you listen to his words? He says, when you are really saved, you want to please God and do his will. And that's revealed in the Ten Commandments. Let me read it again. When you're really saved, you want to please God and want to do his will, which is revealed in the Ten Commandments. Now, out of a heart of love, 
We desire to please our Savior. I, I hope it's your desire today to please Jesus. I hope that's really your desire as a child of God, to really please Jesus. And we know that His will is revealed here in these Ten Commandments. And so we seek to live them not in our strength, but in His strength. Not in our enablement, but in His enablement. And we cannot do this alone. We, we yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit. He helps us. Would you listen to Romans 8, 1 through 4? I want you to listen carefully to what it says. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen and amen. No condemnation. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do and that was weak to the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. Listen, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. who do not walk according to the flesh. But according to the spirit, these are given men and women out of a heart of love. These are given to us for our health, our happiness and our protection. They are God given boundaries in our life that he puts in place for our good forever. Listen, forever. Get out of your mind that God is out to spoil your fun and make you miserable. How dare we think that of God? Yet I think a lot of people do. They think, well, God's out to club me. God's out to get me. God's out to spoil my fun. Listen, God is not a killjoy. God says, I want you to have full joy. That's what Jesus says. I've come that your joy might be full. Let me ask you, parents. Do you not set down rules and boundaries for your children? I hope you do. Obviously, you do. They're not hanging from the chandeliers this morning. You've got some rules in place, right? Now, why do you do that? Because you hate them? Because you want to make them miserable? Maybe you do sometimes, but that's not why. Why do you tell them, don't go play out in the road? Here's the boundary. Don't go any further than this. Don't go any further in the driveway. Don't go in the road. Why do you tell them that? Because you hate them? No. Why? Because you love them. You love them. It's out of a heart of love that you lay down boundaries. Out of a heart of love that you lay down rules. It's for their health, their happiness, their protection. And our loving God said, listen, I'm going to give you some rules, some boundaries. And I do this not because I hate you, because I love you. These are for your health. These are for your happiness. This is for your protection. Listen to what Peter Masters said before conversion. Before we come to Christ, before conversion, the commandments tower over us to condemn and convict us. But once we have been brought to Christ, once we're born again, these same commandments wear a friendly smile and become a great guide and help. That puts it in perspective, doesn't it? Before Christ, these things convict us and condemn us. But after they bring us to Christ as a schoolmaster and we trust the perfect law keeper, the Holy Spirit works in our lives and brings us to Christ. These same commandments that once convicted us and condemned us, they wear a friendly smile. They become a helpful guide. They become a great friend. These commands show us in many ways how to live our lives. They are loving boundaries to help us. They're our friends and not our enemies. And so as we look at them 
one by one as we take this fresh look at the Ten Commandments. I hope that you'll view them in that way, not as uh, restricting bonds, but as loving boundaries that God had your best interest at heart when he said you shall have no other gods before me. God had your loving interest at heart when he said you should not make yourself a carved image and on throughout these commandments. Looking at them, their reflection of the character of God, absolute holiness and perfection. But they're also at the same time a reminder of God's love. They show us our need of Christ and they show us how to live. But I got to give you this warning. I got to give you a warning as we study. I understand that the editor of a small weekly newspaper in a town out in the West was having trouble finding news to put in the paper. And so he told them to run the Ten Commandments. So they printed up the Ten Commandments and they ran them without making an editorial comment. They just put the Ten Commandments in and ran them. Three days after that paper was published, they received this letter. Please cancel my subscription You're getting too personal. Now, I want to be honest with you. As we look at these commands, we're going to get personal. You know why? Because they get personal. And as we go through them one by one, we're not dealing with the abstract somewhere. We're not philosophizing about something out yonder. We're going to deal with these things in our lives, in our church, in our community, in our homes. We're going to deal with them one by one personally. Now, I hope that doesn't make you afraid to come back and say, well, Ten Commandments, ten weeks. I'll be back later on this fall. (laughs) I hope that you'll say to the Spirit of God, God, as we look at these, as I memorize these, I meditate on these, I help my children learn these. I want you to do a work in my life. I want you to help me, like Adrian Rogers said, to taste them again for the first time. I want you to to help me as I look at these to see your loving care in these commands. I want you to help me, Father, to see just how holy you are, how righteous you are. Help me understand your great character and your great love as you give these things, not out of hatred, but out of love. And Father, I pray that you'd help as we learn these to live them out in my life. Not just to be a plaque on a wall somewhere, not just to be a bookmark in my Bible, but to be a living reality in my life. Not in my strength, Father, because I know in the flesh I'll fail. Not in my strength, but in your strength. By the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit, help me to live out these commands in my life. The Ten Commandments, a reflection of God's character. The Ten Commandments, a reminder of God's love. They show us our need of Christ. They show us how to live. They're a loving guide to those of us who know Christ. They're a friend. They were a smile. May we use them and allow God to work in our lives as we learn them together. Father, we love you. And we praise you and we thank you for your word. And we thank you for your loving kindness in giving to us these commands. They remind us, Father, of your holiness and your perfection and your glory and your character. They remind us today that we are sinful. You are holy. But thank you for the perfect law keeper, the Lord Jesus Christ, who fulfilled every point, who took our place, 
who then died in our place and arose again. Father, I pray today as we have this invitation, if anybody here does not know Jesus Christ, that they would today, as we've gone through these commands, realize that they need a Savior. They repent of their sin and turn to Christ. And then I pray for those of us who do know Christ, that we would surrender afresh and anew and say, Lord, do a work in my life as we study these commands together. We know we're not under the law, we're under grace. But that's not a license to live a sinful life. We want to please you. We want to honor you. And realize that we cannot do this apart from you. So take charge, I pray, in these series of messages. And take charge right now in this invitation. And I pray this in Jesus' name, for his sake. Amen. I thought we'd sing in closing this morning. Number 638, we often reserve that for Thanksgiving time, but I think it's an appropriate time to sing it today. As we consider the love of our Father, the love of God in giving us these commands. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, I want to invite you as we sing to come and allow somebody to take a Bible and sit down with you and answer any questions you might have and lead you to Christ. And then you might be here today and you're a believer and you say, you know what, I want to surrender and submit to the Lord working in my life. You know, I just praise he's already begun to work in my life as I've looked at these. If you want to come today and surrender it and say, Lord, work in my life. Use this for your glory in my life. 638 as we stand and sing. Now thank we all our God with heart and hands and voices. 638. Let's stand and sing.